Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. I'm thankful uh, for the gifts that God has given to the body of Christ. Aren't you thankful for the gifts? Man, if Jesus gave us gifts, I want it. I mean, if he's given you a gift, I want that. I want to know more about that. I want to receive all of that. Amen? Ephesians chapter 4, we find these gifts. Ephesians chapter 4 outlines these precious gifts to the body of Christ. And, um, you know, we we have such a culture of, of dishonor in the earth today. I'll make it even more specific. We have such a culture of dishonor in America today. I heard someone say one time, the reason why we don't see miracles like we ought to is because miracles cannot grow in the midst of dishonor. Dishonor breeds toxicity. Dishonor breeds uh, everything that kills and quenches the Spirit of God. And if we don't understand true biblical honor, kingdom honor, then we cannot receive the promises of the word and we cannot receive gifts. And so many times, especially with leadership and even in churches, we're on this bend that you have to prove to, prove to us something first before I'm open and receptive and, and responsive to that ministry. And, and we look for reasons to honor rather than acknowledging the gift, acknowledging the position, acknowledging the assignment and the call on someone's life. And when a minister gets up here and they have to prove themselves to you before you can open up and receive, you're you're missing out on what God can do. If it doesn't align with your plan, if you don't like the way that they put a certain thing or, uh, you know, do a certain thing. And, you know, this past weekend, we received a gift that, uh, you know, at the end of the day is very different than what uh, I carry and and what you as a church um, recognize and get on a regular basis. But Ephesians chapter 4 tells us in verse 11, he himself, that, those capital H's right there, he himself, that's Jesus. Jesus gave some. I love how he stresses he himself. That means these come straight from Jesus. These aren't man-made gifts. These aren't man-made assignments. Uh, we didn't get a board together and say, hey, you know what? We, we need some pastors. And um, what, what do you think about an apostle? Let's throw that in there. And uh, maybe an evangelist and, and a teacher. Oh, and, and let's add a prophet in there too. This, these are not man-made ideas. These come straight from heaven, straight from Jesus himself. He himself gave some, not all, some to be apostles some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. This is a, these are the five-fold ministry gifts. In this past weekend, we saw and received a ministry gift. And if I can, uh, tonight, just want to break down uh, how do we go from here? And what are the expectations from here? And I'm going to talk to you tonight as a pastor, which, as you see, is one of those fivefold gifts. Um, Talk to you as your pastor and kind of do some um, 
I don't know what you would call it, housework, administration, um, uh, not house cleaning. I don't know if I need to do any, maybe I, maybe I need to do some house cleaning. I don't think I need to do house cleaning, but I'm going to just give some, some order and some direction to some things, if that's okay. Um, you know, because the, the first, uh, you know, a lot of times, and, and especially in the circles that I ran with, I haven't been in a service like what took place on Sunday night in, in, in quite a long time. Um, what happened in this place Sunday, I mean, you should have seen this place Monday morning. <laughs> it was a wreck. And, and everyone that helped put it back together, I appreciate you. We had, I had some, some of ushers were, were putting things back together, but we had, I mean, I haven't had a service like that in a long time, but I'm just going to be honest with you. That's what I grew up in. Anybody else? That wasn't so weird for some people. Okay. Um, we threw stuff around and we knocked, we knocked chairs over and we climbed over stuff. And we had a preacher, we had an evangelist that came to our church every year when I was young. We, I had two different ones. There was one, uh, he was going to climb on any chair that was available. He's going to be on top while preaching. He was going to be on top of it. There was another one. I remember my dad. Um, so me and my brother, we weren't allowed to sit next to each other during service. That was the rule. It went me, dad, my brother, my mom. We had to have separation. And I like to sit on the end. And we would, I would sit on the end. And in this uh, church that I grew up in, uh, Bethel was the name of it. Uh, Bethel Pentecostal Church, Fort Worth, Texas. Um, it was a shotgun building. So probably twice as deep as this. And you only had a section on this side and a section on this side. And there were no outsides. Uh, you know, aisles, because the this row went all the way up against the wall there, and then this row went all the way up against the wall there. And we didn't have chairs. We had pews. Anybody remember pews? Yeah, we had pews. And uh, fell asleep under plenty of those, because uh, those services would get out. There was no children's church. Uh, those services would go till 10, 11 o'clock at night sometimes. They'd start at 6 or 7. And that, that was just, now this wasn't every weekend. I'm talking about if a special evangelist or somebody came to town, okay? And so uh, I remember I was sitting on the end, and my dad, I, I, I would, I, I don't know if I kicked my leg out, or he would just tell me, make sure your legs are not in the aisle. Because this guy's going to take off running at some point straight down that aisle. And sure enough, he'd hit a, hit a moment in his message, Boot, he would take off all the way down that thing, go to the back door and run all the way back. And I would have tripped him. We would have found out how spiritual he was real quick if uh, my foot was sticking out in the aisle, uh, if I didn't get that warning. Uh, that's the kind of stuff I grew up in. And that, that's not to say that that's, that's real church or any better than anybody else, but that, that's, we, we expected and wanted the operations of the Spirit. And, and, and we we received from ministers that had high urgency, high intensity, um, that were spirit-filled and delivered spirit-filled messages. And what you received this weekend was very common to uh, what I grew up in, what I grew up to be very familiar with. Um, and, and honestly, I don't know the last time I've been in a service like what took place even over this weekend and uh, I mean, you know, it's probably been at least 
five years. I mean, we've had some pretty crazy services in St. August. I remember Dr. Gee just a couple of years ago. Y'all remember Dr. Gee? I mean, he, I mean, we were all laid out. I was crying so hard. I could not stop crying. You know, there are times where the spirit will come upon you. Remember, he talked about getting in the encounter. We need to have opportunities where we're encountering God and encountering the spirit of God. And man, when those encounters happen, I I mean, it might be laughing. It, It might be crying. It might be dancing, whatever. And it's not about the physical response. It's not about an emotional. Those were not emotions. I was not crying emotionally. I was crying out of my spirit, just welling up. Um, And that was just a couple years ago. I think that was in 2020. We've We've had services, but I believe that we're going to see more and more of an intensity. Um in the things of the spirit. Now, the reason why, you know, Pastor Paul told me this, he said, this this weekend was easy. It was easy to minister. I said, well, Pastor Paul, since you were here last year, every single Wednesday I've ministered on the life in the spirit. Literally since August for 12 months, every single, you can go back and check it online. You can check it. You can check me online. I've ministered in some form of capacity. Uh, we've ministered on the gifts of the Spirit throughout this series. We've ministered on moves of the Spirit. We've ministered. We just got done ministering on what's the difference between uh, operating spiritually versus operating out of our soul. Um, we, we've 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 been drilling these things down. And and he said that he said, look, you're you're a teacher. You're a pastor. You'll be able to break these things down. You'll be able to speak to the church on what just took place. But the gift that you just received was the the gift of the apostle, the ministry gift of the apostle. And the, the apostle operates much different than a pastor. Now, a lot of apostles are also pastors. A lot of apostles, the apostolic ministry many times is marked by the planting of or the launching of a new work. They love to start new works. And the apostle Paul, he would go from city to city and plant these churches, start them, and then he would raise up so that he could go out and start. Apostles don't don't do very well with the day-to-day. They don't do very well with the 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 norm. They don't do well um, with the uh you know day-to-day operations of a pastoral capacity. Now Paul Brady, Pastor Paul Brady, pastors a church in Tulsa. And I was even picking his brain on this a little bit because I know people that have strong apostolic gifts that are also pastors. And at the end of the day, there are things that pastors are graced to do that apostles just get irritated and frustrated with. They, 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 apostles can't handle counseling sessions very well. They can't handle the day-to-day grind with people. And he says, well, you know, uh, a couple things. Number one, I'm operating in a grace as a pastor. How long I stay in that role, that's up to the Lord. Number two is I have raised up pastors around us, and we have a very strong pastoral team that deals with the marriage and counseling and, 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 and the walking with people day to day, the visiting in the hospitals and the, the, the grind 
of, of pastoral ministry, um, he says, really, I'm only in the office about one day a week, and that's about all I can handle. Um, but you're understanding the different, the different gifts. Apostles come with a very high urgency and a very high intensity, and you saw that this week. Um, at times, you know, he may have sounded irritated, may have sounded frustrated. A lot of times when they're speaking, um, they can kind of have an, an aura or a sense of why won't you just get it together? What's going on? Why, why, you know, they, they, they very much go against the grain, very much go against the flow. They, they, they can seem, um, you know, not, not rebellious, but they just, Wherever people are going, they're not going that way. That's why they start new things, and that's why they're always churning and burning. They're not just going with the flow and just the day-to-day activities. This is the ministry of the apostle. Now, a lot of these things might sound like, well, that that sounds like a character trait. Uh, That sounds like a personality. At the end of the day, many times God is gifting people in line with their internal personalities that God has wired them to be that way, wired them to talk that way, wired them to, to affect change in certain ways. And so, you know, apostles are usually typically not great administrators, but they're great visionaries. They're not great with the day-to-day requirements of what does it take to get this, this, and this, but they are, ex- they are extreme visionaries that they see the big picture, and, man, they're, they're moving at a high clip. Pastor Earl, honestly, is, is a very strong apostolic ministry gift, and that's how he operates. And so you have to put people around you that fill in the weaknesses. I have to put around me visionaries. Because my gifting is the day-to-day and the administration of the ministry and the administration of, of church and caring for people. Uh, but, you know, the, I, I have weaknesses in certain areas. And I have to make sure that I'm putting those kind of people around me. I'm saying all this to say that we have to give equal honor to the ministry gifts that are in the body of Christ. There are five of them. And the first thing the enemy wants you to do is to elevate or prioritize one over another. What the enemy wants you to do, anything that will breed dissension, anything that will breed conflict, anything that will breed strife, and he will use something even as spiritual sounding as, well, man, I, I really enjoy the ministry of blank, an apostle. I love the prophetic ministry. I love the, the teaching gift. I could just sit under teachers. I love the, the pastoral gift. I love the, the ministry of the evangelist and just the on fire, boldness, tenacity, zeal, and passion for winning the lost. And what happens is, is we begin... Um, uh, territorializing ourselves or or uh, just going after particulars that we think we align with or that we value or that we uh, enjoy or receive from when we need all five ministry gifts. I know a lot of ministers today that are insecure in their gift and intimidated by someone else's gift. 
I know teachers today that feel worthless because they can't win the lost and win souls like an evangelist. But I know evangelists that don't have the capacity to teach and line upon line and break things down and blow people's minds. And, 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 and so they, they feel the same way. And those are attacks of the enemy. Don't you believe those are attacks of the enemy? Isn't that an attack of the, wouldn't that just be the device of the enemy that he recognizes we need all five gifts working in unison, working together. And the way I can compromise their efforts is if I get them valuing or comparing themselves to one another. Comparison is never a tool that God will introduce in your life. God will never say, why can't you be more like that person? And God will never elevate you and say, I'm so glad you don't do what. You ever hear those kind of voices in your life, you better be quick to shut them down and cast them out. Because that's an imagination and a thought that is rising against the, the, the obedience of Christ, exalting itself. And now we're starting to get elevated and prideful. Well, they can't teach like, I, I could teach that so much better. And when we create these elements that sow discord, sow divisions, sow strife, by thinking we're being spiritual by pursuing ministry gifts. There needs to be a pursuit of ministry gifts, but there needs to be a pursuit of all ministry gifts. When Kingdom Rise Conference takes place in October, we're bringing in all five gifts. We're bringing in a prophet. We're bringing in an evangelist. We're bringing in a teacher. We're bringing in a pastor. And we're bringing in the apostle. And, they're, they're all, and many of them, several of them, probably almost all of them, operate in more than one. Pastor Roddy is an evangelist that's pastoring a church. Pastor Daryl is a teacher that operates in the apostolic. Pastor Earl is an apostle that operates as a pastor. Pastor Marcy operates in the prophetic and is also a pastor and is also a teacher. Maybe I need to spend the next several weeks just breaking down the ministry gifts so we can understand them. I wasn't planning on this being a series. I was just planning on doing some follow-up from this weekend, but it might be very important. And, you know, there's people that love the, the throwing around of stuff and the anointing oil getting slung around and, 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 and laying on of hands that are like, oh, great, now we're going to break everything down. And there goes Pastor Mark teaching everything again. There goes Pastor Mark just, just stomping on the parade. We're just getting up there. and No, I'm not shutting anything down. I'm giving you the capacity to operate in what you saw Sunday night at the best of your ability. Amen. You know, teachers may not get all the, you know, I, I learned real quick. The reason why I don't get as, as many amens, because I'm giving you a lot of oh me's. <laughs> I'm giving you a lot of, mm, ah, yeah. I'll amen that next week. Right now, that's I'm crunching on my toes a little bit right now. I'm not saying amen. I'm saying, oh, my, jeez. I understand. The, the gifts operate differently. But he says this, going on, that all five of these gifts, even though they have differences of operations, they have the same goal. Did you know that? 
The teacher has the same goal as the apostle, and the apostle has the same goal as the prophet, and the prophet has the same goal as the evangelist, and the evangelist has the same goal as the, the, the whatever I didn't mention, the pastor. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, but this is the goal. For the equipping of the saints. I got any saints in the house? You know, that tells me we need to be equipped. We don't need to be entertained. Uh Uh-oh. We don't need to be entertained. We need to be equipped. We need to be entertained. We don't need to be entertained. We need to be equipped for, for the work of ministry. Oh, I thought that's what the ministry gifts were for. No, actually, the ministry gifts aren't for the work of ministry. The ministry gifts are for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. That doesn't diminish my value and my role, and that doesn't uh, elevate my value in my role. It just identifies my value in my role as it identifies your value in your role. And my job as a pastor, teacher, whatever ministry gift is in operation is to help you be the best version of yourself. I think Pastor Paul said it, that none of these gifts are given to build us a platform. But we, we have found that. In churches across America today, we, there's more value for the green room than the altar room. Pastor Paul, he was sharing with us. Pastor Chris was there too. He was sharing with us that, that there are times he will not go back with a minister, uh, a, a very, and he'll even get invited. And he's like, you know, we're just going to, that's all right. Not out of being rude or not out of, uh, you know, not valuing honor the man, but, but because he, he knows what might be taken. And he knows that there are people back there that are just there to drop cards and collect names. And, and, and let me tell you about my ministry. And, and, and it's just a who's who. And let me add your contact to my phone so I can say I know some, so-and-so. And it, it's just, a, it's just a, a celebrity mess. No, nobody's glorifying God in it. They're looking for their own glory. But it says that when these five ministry gifts are operating as they ought to, the church is edified, the church is equipped, the church is strengthened, the church is empowered, the church is taught, the church, uh, is, it, it goes on to say, it's not even finished there, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith. That's <laughs> got, a lot of, got a long way to go, huh? Unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Notice we haven't even hit a period yet. Why do the ministry gifts exist? We're we're listing them all. So that we'd no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine. And notice it doesn't say by every wind of false doctrine. By every wind of doctrine. Sometimes we hold so near and dear to a doctrine that may be biblical and scriptural, but we don't desire to press on and move into more of what the word of God has for us and more of what the scripture has for us and more of learning and growing and and continuing to become everything that God has for us. Carried about, with every wind of doctrine, 
by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. I love that he identifies joint because joint implies you're connected to something. You can't be a joint without being connected to something else. You can be an arm without being connected to something else. You can be a foot without being connected. But he says every joint supplies, which means the only way you bring a supply is if you are connected where the enemy uh, has tried to divide and has tried to isolate and has tried to separate uh, the body of Christ. He's dismembering the church, cutting up all these different pieces that the only way they are effective and productive is if they are jointed to, they're joined with, connected to another body part. That's how the body of Christ works. I'm not a member to my own I am a member of a body that has a much bigger picture and a much bigger uh, operation involved. And I'm hindered in my ministry. I'm hindered, I'm hindered in what I can do. I'm hindered in who I can influence. I'm hindered in my capacity if I'm not coming together. That's why Hebrews chapter 10, 25 says, as the day draws near. As we get closer to the end, he says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. This doesn't diminish the value of connecting in homes and doing things one-on-one, but it lets you know that we need the coming together corporately in large settings. It's not one is greater than the other. They're both needed and they both have their purposes. So no wonder the enemy has tried for the last couple of years to dismember and disassociate and, 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 and dilute the value of corporate gatherings, being together. Why? Because we're a body and we need to be joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in Love, and there's your first period since he mentioned the fivefold ministry gifts. He goes on for five verses telling you the reason why we need the fivefold ministry gifts. Do you think we need these ministry gifts? That's a long sentence. You've got commas. You 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 you've got the other thing that has a dot and a comma on it. I can't think of the name of it right now. Semicolon, colon, whatever. James is getting mad at me. He's like, Pastor, I've taught you better than that. I've I've taught you. I've shown you this. (laughs) You get all that because we need apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry, growing the body up into the head who is Christ, strengthening, causing us. So you you can reverse everything you just read there. And those are the results that we can expect to see from churches that do not have the fivefold ministry gifts operating. They'll be tossed to and fro. They'll be immature, not grown up. They won't be walking in love. They'll be either 
walking in love that dilutes truth, or they'll be slamming truth down people's throats without love. They won't be jointed and knit together. They'll be all in their little cliques and in their little corners doing their own little thing and splitting this and starting that and challenging this and confronting that. Everything he just mentioned, you can reverse it and say, this is the product if we do not have these fivefold ministry gifts in operation. You go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. First Corinthians chapter three. By the way, just to give an update, we've just been getting some of the most amazing reports from Matthew in Virginia on baby Ollie. He's just doing better and better every day. They're just believing that he'll come fully off of oxygen, uh, that he'll be coming home soon, but they've just been removing medicines little by little. He's having uh, play moments. He's smiling. They said the other day he smiled and he just wouldn't stop smiling. I mean, you know, this is what happens when the church goes to battle. This is what happens when the church picks up one that is suffering and one that is lacking, and, and we, we lock arms together. We can see things accomplished for the kingdom of God. And we're going to see a testimony fully from this. We already have, but uh, continue standing with them and for them. And one other thing I have not mentioned at this point, uh, you know, I'm, we're, we're not going to take up an offering per se, but there is a, a GoFundMe. We've actually already contributed, my wife and I, we've actually sown from our church already, but they do have a GoFundMe page. I believe we sent out the link, didn't we, Lydia? We sent out the link already church-wide, but somebody in this house knows that link if you want to give and sow toward their needs. I mean, Matthew hasn't been working. He's used up, you know, whatever time off he's had. Um, you know, obviously we, we haven't even gone into what it's going to look like financially, but they're not going to, everything's coming to them. God is going to restore it. God's going to redeem it. They're not going to be lacking for one thing. I'm telling you right now, God's going to do something amazing. And so, uh, but if you want to give, we've had people ask, you know, how can we give? How can we? sow? there's a GoFundMe out there. I believe Anna Lemieux set it up. So, um, you know, this is, our church body has come together to provide this for them. That would be the best way I could tell you uh, to give toward uh, whatever financial needs that they have. Amen. First Corinthians chapter three and verse one, and I brethren. So that tells us what? He's talking to brothers. He's talking to the church. He's talking to believers, right? And I brethren could not speak to you as to spiritual people. We've been talking about living in the spirit, but you know what? Um, you know, there does come a time with ministry gifts where the condition and the state of the heart of the people determines what we can deliver. There does come a time where, you know, even if it's a word that the Lord has given me, if the people aren't ready to receive that, I mean, even Jesus himself said, there's so much more I want to reveal but you cannot bear it. I would overwhelm you. I would, it would, it would literally crush you if I shared with you what I have to share with you. I could not speak to you as spiritual people. It's so important. If you remember 12 months ago when Pastor Paul was here, it was very different. Very different. His ministry, how he spoke to us, what he shared. Why? And he told me, he said, I could tell. 
Your, your, your people were easy to, to minister to. I could tell the growth. I could tell what you guys have been doing for the last 12 months. And I, if you remember, he prayed over my wife and I right down here on the last night. I think we did a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night. And he came down off the stage. He prayed for us right here. And if you remember, I stood right here and I said, we will steward this. I looked him in the eye and I said, we as a church will steward this. I as a pastor will steward the deposit that you've put here. And that's why he could come back and change. Why? Because you got to know your audience. Part of ministering to people is not just sharing with them every ounce of, of, of uh, information and revelation you have. Because what God has shown you would crush someone else. Hinder someone else. Maybe offend someone else. And the word will be offensive at times. And I, so it's not a matter of, okay, I got to appeal to the people. And, and what, what can, you know, I don't want to say I don't want to hurt their. No, it's not about that. It's about following the spirit and saying, okay, when can I challenge? And when can I go a certain place? And when do I have to recognize, you know what, they're just not there yet. And so we're just going to have to keep hitting some things. And he says, I could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to what? Carnal. It's not a compliment. (laughs) It's not where you want to be. Carnal might be better than lost, but he's saying we need to keep moving on up. He said lost people act like lost people. Now you're a saved person acting like a lost person. This is why my heart and my passion goes to the local church and goes to, to, uh, it's not that I don't, uh, that I'm not passionate and zealous about lost people and those that are far from Christ. But man, when we get them into the kingdom and they're still living like they were before, we haven't, it doesn't say make converts. It says make disciples. It doesn't say fill seats says fill people. And I want to be a church that doesn't just fill seats at the expense of filling people. Compromise everything that makes you stronger, but at least your tail is in a seat somewhere. No? No, it won't work. We've got to be filling people. With what? With the Spirit of God. With the Word of God. Amen. The Word and the Spirit. So he says, I can't, I can't minister to you as I, as I ought to. And he says, I ought to. Could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal. He says this, as to babes in Christ. Now, this is the thing. When you come into the kingdom, your spirit man's mature. Your spirit man's developed. Your spirit man knows everything. The maturing is the renewing of the mind so that I live submitted to the Spirit and no longer submitted to the flesh. That's what Romans chapter 8 is all about. The mind of the Spirit is life and peace. The mind of the, uh, of the flesh or the carnal mind is death. And the maturity, the growth as a believer is, is not my, 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 my spirit man's just this little infant baby just wailing and crying all the time. No, my spirit man is fully developed, fully mature, fully strong. Now I just have to submit myself to that. And that's where the growth comes into play. Growing up spiritually is really growing up so I have the capacity to submit to my spirit more than I submit to my flesh. And whichever one you feed gets stronger. 
So he says, you're just babes in Christ. But they weren't just babes in Christ. Not by time frame. Because the next verse says, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. Meaning what? In the past, I started you out on the easy stuff. Started out with you, uh, with you as Hebrews calls it, the elementary principles. The ABCs, so to speak. The stuff that we've got to give you as base. Because I cannot come up here giving you meat and you don't have the capacity to handle it or tolerate it. You wouldn't do that in the natural. You can't do that in the spiritual. So he says, I fed you with milk. I gave you those elementary principles and not with solid food. For until now, you were not able to receive it. But here's here's the real condemning part. Here's here's the part that's real uh, convicting, if you will. And even now, you are still not able. One passage, uh, one translation says, by this time you ought to. Now, here's what we know historically. Paul planted this church. Paul planted this church as a ministry gift of the apostle. But he pastored this church early on. He pastored this church. He put it into place. And then he raised up a leader who will be introduced here to in just a minute. He he raises up a leader that will now pastor so that the apostle Paul can go do the, uh, the ministry of the apostle to go and plant more works, his missionary works. He was in Ephesus, he was in Corinth, he was in Thessalonica. He's going in all these different towns, planting these churches, investing and in, in raising up these disciples in all these different areas, going into the uttermost parts of the earth, going into his world, right? But this is what we know. Historically, we've got about four to eight years from the time he left this church to the time of this writing. So I'm not putting a time frame on spiritual growth, but this is what we know. He expected them somewhere between four to eight years to have reached the capacity that they ought to be able to grow up spiritually. He says, even now you're still not able, for you are still carnal. How are they carnal? For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Well, what are they, what are, what's so divisive? What are they in strife about? I mean, you know, is it, is it over uh, theology? Is it over a, a misunderstanding scripturally? Is it a doctrinal division? Um, is it, you know, uh, my, my neighbor accidentally ran over my, my pet dog and won't do anything about it? I mean, what are the strife, what's the strife and the divisions and the envies really about? It tells us in the next verse. In the next verse, for it once says, I am of Paul. And another says, I am of Apollos. Who's Apollos? Apollos is the man that Paul raised up to pastor this church. The strife, divisions, and envies were over people saying, I like this ministry gift. Well, this is my ministry gift. Well, I, this, this is who I would rather listen to. No, this is who I'd rather listen to. Well, this is what they say. Well, this is what this, or this one says. And we've already learned that we need all of them. Maybe the Corinthian church didn't read Ephesians chapter 4. 
In what? That we need all five ministry gifts in operation. And now we see the disjointedness. Now we see the immaturity. I mean, almost everything that uh, I that, that was mentioned in Ephesians 4, 12 through 16 is mentioned in just the first three verses here. You've got immaturity, right? Didn't he say we're supposed to grow up into all things? Uh, we've got them being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine because really what they're saying of is when they say I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos, they were talking about their teaching and their teaching styles and the conclusions that they were coming to about each one. But Paul is actually reinforcing Apollos and I are unified. You're not going to separate us. We're not on two different wavelengths. I'm not here to correct Apollos. I'm here to correct you in how you're responding to the ministry of Apollos. You see what he's, you see what he's saying? So almost everything that I read in 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16 in Ephesians is mentioned right here in the first four verses, three or four verses. Behaving like mere men, he says, carnal. Obviously, we're, we're not walking in love. We're disjointed dislocated, dismembered, all because of what? Not, not, not over something super immoral and super sinful, although those things were taking place in this church, and that comes later. This was him just breaking the ice. He gets into some real rough stuff later on in this book. But what's he addressing? Division, strife, and envy, because you're not honoring and valuing the ministry gifts as you ought to. Because one says, well, I don't like that gift as much as I like this gift. I don't like that person as much as I like this person. No. When we have different ministry gifts in operation, as we did this last weekend, or as we do, as we will when Kingdom Rise Conference comes, it's not up to us to to determine, is that really a ministry gift? And do I want to receive from that ministry gift? Or do I receive from that? I've had people tell me that about different ministers. Well, I, I really like this guy. I don't really, I don't really, you know, you got, you got to be careful because that's where the seeds come from. Now, again, it might be innocent in the sense, I don't really prefer that style of teaching. I don't really have a preference for the way that person ministers or the way, you know, I get that. Just don't listen to them then. But we don't need to allow seeds to get planted that eventually will grow. Hello? Because where do you think the enemy's starting? Hate ministers that aren't like you? No, he's going to start with, eh, that style is kind of weird. That's where he starts, just innocently. I don't really prefer that. I don't really prefer this. No, we need all the ministry gifts. You know, what's interesting to me is Paul is writing a letter to a church that has a pastor. And I can tell you right now, Paul is not overstepping and overriding Apollos. Paul is doing the work of an apostle. He's not undermining why isn't Apollos taking care of this stuff? These divisions, these strifes, the immorality is taking place, these gifts in operation, and people just going crazy, you know, all these tongues and interpret. Why didn't Paul? No, 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 no. Paul's stepping back into a work that he planted, that he's connected to as an apostle, 
to come alongside the pastor, Apollos. Not to undercut him, not to undermine him, not to override him. He's coming alongside to strengthen his value and say, this is stuff that your pastor is here trying to work on you and correct. And, and, and you need to, you need to, I mean, did y'all hear Pastor Paul affirming my wife and I this weekend and, and strengthening our value and strengthening why you need a pastor and what a pastor is supposed to do? That's not to lift us up. We didn't have a conversation with Pastor Paul and say, man, you know, they, I just don't think they really value us. And I just don't really, feel, could, you, could you just give a little word in there and just, you know, help build? No. That's what the apostle does is they strengthen the value of the other gifts, not undermine, undercut, and override the other gifts. Amen. And his way of ministering isn't the right way, and my way of ministering isn't the right way. They're all the right way. They're all necessary to the body of Christ. And when we find ourselves in conditions where I don't really feel for that style or I wasn't really into this or wasn't really, we're allowing the seeds of the divisions, strife, and even envies to show up. And now we've got separations within a church that ought to be unified, jointed, connected, not tossed to and fro, not all over the place, growing up spiritually. And all those things get compromised when we don't fully understand the value for the ministry gifts, the fivefold ministry gifts, which are still to this day, all five in operation in the church and necessary for your and I's growth. And that's why I'm intentional to bring in other ministry gifts. I remember early on, uh, you know, when we were a lot younger, how nervous I would be. How nervous I got when I bring in a guest minister. There were times I was like, man, I, I don't even want to bring in a guest minister. Because what am I going to have to clean up on the back end? What am I going to, because, you know, that, that's the, the joke is the guest minister comes in, they blow in, blow up. Blow out, and the pastor's left with the bag. Got to clean up all the broken doctrine and the broken ceiling and the, and the broken sound system and Roddy Schaefer coming in here spilling stuff on my speakers like he did at conference last year. And I, I'm left with the mess, and they just get to go on about their business. But I've always recognized the value of every ministry gift. I don't have the capacity for all of them. I don't want the capacity for There's only one person that's ever walked this earth that has operated in all five gifts, and that was Jesus. No one else has ever operated in all five ministry gifts in, in their ministries and in their lifetime. You might share between a few gifts. You might transition out of one gift into another. Brother Hagen was that way. Kenneth E. Hagen, he obviously operated much as a pastor, as a teacher. He had a season as an evangelist and then ended his life as a prophet. His ministry gifts are valuable and, and, and the individual, and it's not about the individual and the exalting of the individual. It's about the edifying and the equipping of the body of Christ. And if a ministry gift is done effectively, the people leave better than when they came. Every single one of them. You know, there, there's just some certain, some types of services that would just be very difficult for me to sit in and, and attend. I'm just be honest with you. I remember Marcus and I, when we first moved to St. Augustine, 
there was a, a, a church in town. I'm not going to say what church it was or what kind of church, but it was a church in town that had this uh, billboard up that said uh, Lifehouse. And I don't know how many of you remember, James, you might remember there was a Christian group called Lifehouse. And we're like, Lifehouse is going to be, and we were, we're music guys. We were in a band together. We love, so we're like, let's go see Lifehouse. We went to Life. It wasn't Lifehouse. That was just the name of their young adult Bible study. And so we're like, where's, where's, when's Lifehouse coming? <laughs> Who's Lifehouse? Oh, great. And you're there, so you're not, you're not leaving. And, and, you know, I, I, I was like, you know, I, I just had the thought in my mind. And, you know, God forgive me if it was wrong, but I was like, how do people do this every week? It's just dry. Like, I'm not saying you got to be loud and boisterous and all. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. But there was no. And I'm like, they do this every week. Come back next Saturday. Hmm. Life house. <laughs> we need to rethink the name. It's got to be life-giving. The ministry gifts have to be life-giving. And you're going to have some that are, that are quiet or, uh, and, and more soft-spoken. You're going to have some that are boisterous all over the place, run all over the place, do whatever. You're, you're going to have the evangelists. You're going to have the teachers. You're going to have the But at the end of the day, it's got to have life. It's got to have life to it. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithaboutaustin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.